Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So on Monday, uh, well, actually, it was last Sunday after after church, Robert uh, Cobb, he's like, do you want to risk life and limb tomorrow? <laughs> how do you answer that question? I said, do you want to risk life and limb? So, typical cowboy. I said, yes, what are we doing? <laughs> and he goes, we got a lot of yearlings to doctor. I was like, all right, I'll be out there. So, anyway, I met him out at the foundation, and we ended up uh, from 8.30 that morning, because he had to go get fencing materials first. From 8.30 till 1.15, we roped and doctored 10 or 11 steers. And, but luckily, the temperature was only 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit that day, so it wasn't that bad. And oh, it's just so hot and just kind of kind of miserable. And you know, it, it's amazing how many muscles you use riding on a horse. And we were either at a long trot doctoring or full stupid from eight thirty until one fifteen. But on this one, we found one that needed to be doctored. It had something rather with one of its feet. And so instead of just building to it because it, it was so hot, we decided to take a little wind out of it. So we just kind of loped it around in circles till it you know, took the edge off of that steer, but we were kind of by the, the northern fence line, and as we were doing that, every time it would head back towards the fence, we would back off, because we didn't want to push it over the fence, and when I say the fence, the fence was like from here to the parking lot, or even the first arena out there, I mean, it's a, it's a ways over there, it's not like it was right there where the door was, and he kind of made a big circle and started heading back towards the fence, so me and Robert, we just kind of shut it down, you know, hoping that he would, he just never stopped, I think he looked over his shoulder, saw that we wasn't coming, went right through the fence. Luckily though, luckily there was not a gate handy because there's never a gate handy when something goes through the fence. We had to ride a mile west, go through the gate, ride a mile east back and try to look for this thing. And so anyway, we need to doctor it. It's through the fence now. It's on the wrong side. And so we start going and Robert kind of peels off towards some trees that it could have gone in kind of where it went through the fence. But I had an inkling that it had gone down uh, further east where there was some more cattle that I had seen. And so I stayed on the fence line and I, I got up there and sure enough, there's that steer just standing there. And so I kind of made a long jog around because I didn't want to push him further east because we were going to have to push him all the way uh, west to put him through that gate. And so anyway, I got up right behind him and he's just walking off. And I was like, well, if you're just going to walk off, I'm going to rope you. So I just reached down, caught two feet. I was tied on, turned around, drove off, knocked him down. He just laid there. I was like, easy, easy as pie. Except I didn't have the medication. I didn't have any of the doctor stuff. Robert had it all. So what did I do? I whistled. And it doesn't sound like that. I don't want to bust, you know, you old people's hearing aids because I can't whistle loud. So I whistled three or four times and it's real, real loud. And I wait and I wait and I wait and I wait and I wait. And so I thought, well, maybe he can't hear high-pitched noises, so I will yell now. And so I'm like, woo, real loud. For like, I did that three or four times. No Robert. No Robert. No matter how, what I did, I wasn't getting an answer. Isn't that what prayer seems like sometimes? Is You've got a situation right here, and you need an answer, or you need help, or you have a situation where you don't have the right stuff, and you go to God and you ask Him for guidance or, or whatever the case may be, and there is nothing. Maybe there's something pressing that needs to be done. Maybe there's a decision that needs to be made, but God doesn't seem to be there to make it. Or at least He's not saying anything. Or maybe you have a question, but God's not answering. What do we do when God is silent? 
What do we do when God is silent? Now, b- before we go into that, what I want to say is, and I don't want anybody to take me the wrong way, because somebody can and probably will take what I'm saying and turn it around and blow it up and not even hear what I have to say about this. Listen, God's main way, understand that, main, God's main way of speaking to us is not in subtle hints, confusing emotions, or a sink or swim silence. Okay, God's main way of speaking to us is not subtle hints, confusing emotions, or a sink or swim silence. See, God is not subtle when it is truly from Him. I mean, you think about it. Um, Elijah did battle with the prophets of Baal, right? And so they put this sacrifice on there, and the prophets of Baal, they were supposed to call fire down from heaven and uh, burn up the sacrifice. And they did this, and they cut themselves, and they blah, blah, blah. They danced around. You know, they probably did some stuff with chickens. I don't know. And anyway, nothing ever happened. So Elijah goes up there, and he's like, not only am I going to call down, God's going to send down fire from heaven, we're going to drench this thing in water to make it harder to burn. He prays, and immediately fire comes down from heaven and just obliterates everything, right? God is not subtle when it's truly from God. See, God pours down fire from heaven. God raises the dead. I mean, think about that. When Jesus raised some Lazarus from the dead, did anybody go, now, was he just asleep in that tomb? I mean, it's obvious, right? He was dead. Now he's alive. God is not subtle. He heals blindness, you know, and one of the blind people that he healed, they called in front of the Sanhedrin, and they asked him, they said, Did, you know, who was this man? He goes, I don't know, and this is where it comes from. You'll recognize it. He goes, I don't really know who he was, but I do know I was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. He heals blindness. And listen, you know what else he does? He walks on water. I mean, I don't think any of the disciples, when he got out of the boat and was water, you know, when he was coming through the boat, walking on water, I don't think a single one of them, maybe time was like, it must be shallow right there. We're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Must be some rocks just right where he's stepping. No, he's not subtle about it. I mean, think of how many things God could have, I mean, Jesus could have just appeared on the boat. Could he not? He could have just appeared on the boat a bit like he did in the, in the upper room. Peace be with y'all, right? No, he decides to walk on water. Okay, so God is not subtle. So a lot of times I think that people think that God speaks to us in like these subtle ways, and I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying the main way he talks to us is not in these subtle, hard-to-figure-out hints. God is not a God of confusion. God wants his presence, purpose, and passion of your life to be him and only him. Okay? There's nothing confusing about what God wants from you. He wants your presence, He wants your purpose and your passion to be about Him. There's nothing confusing about that. Oh, Christianity is so confusing. No, not really. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, and the only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. There ain't nothing confusing about that whatsoever. Now, you can make it confusing, but it's not confusing. So God is not the main way He speaks to us. And I understand God speaks in the gentle whisper. But what was before the gentle whisper? Earthquake, a fire. Okay? And God is not a God of sink or swim silence. I mean, I want you to really think about this. God sent His one and only Son to this earth to fulfill the Old Testament law and live a perfect life 
and then become our substitutionary sacrifice. He went to the cross for us, even though he never made a mistake. He took our mistakes upon him, suffered for them on the cross, and he swapped. He gave us for our mistakes. He's like, here, let me take all your mistakes. You take my perfection. Now you can get into heaven if you believe in me and Lord and Savior. God did not do all of that. That's a lot. God did not do all that to grab you as a new Christian and throw you in the deep end and go, well, let's see if you make it. He's not going to do that. Okay? So quit thinking that the main way God speaks to us is like through these subtle hints or these emotions or stuff like that. We'll talk about how God speaks to us. And God is silent sometimes. I mean, you think about it. Abraham wanted God to say something as he marched up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son, but nothing. What did God tell him? Go sacrifice your son to me. So Abraham took off. And I'm sure he was talking to God. He's like, hey, God, you know, kind of fill me in. You know, I kind of, I had faith, you know, when I was in front of everybody. But if you'll just kind of fill me in on what's going on here, that would be great. God doesn't, God doesn't say anything until Abraham lifts the knife to sacrifice his only son. And then God says, do not harm the boy. Do not harm the boy. When, yet, when a lot of times God doesn't say anything. Moses wandered in the desert, longing for God to talk and do something for 40 years. Now, granted, they had the pillar of fire and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, I I don't think that, you know, Moses and God were like Chatty Cathy all the time. Okay, you think about it. The Israelites were slaves for like 400 years and God didn't say anything in those 400 years of captivity. The Israelites, you want to talk about being quiet. Oh, God hadn't answered you in two days. How about 400 years? Right. Job's life imploded right before his eyes, and he wanted answers from God. And you know what? God never gave him an answer. When God finally did answer, he didn't answer Job's question. He said, who the heck do you think you are? I'm the God of the universe. Can you do this? It's really great. And Job finally understands. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to question you. Isaiah, that we've already talked about, or no, Isaiah was an unpopular preacher, hated by his hearers for the judgment he kept yelling about, and all he wanted was for God to back him up nothing. God's like, I told you what to preach. Go preach it. So he did. And then everybody hated him. And Isaiah was asking him why. And God just didn't say anything. When God is silent, even the apostle Paul begged God to release him of the suffering or at least explain it. And he prayed to God. He said, please remove this thorn of my flesh. And God said, my grace is all you need. And that's all he said about it. Now I would have more questions than that. God didn't give Paul anything else. He just said, my grace is sufficient for what you need. Sometimes God is silent. He doesn't answer the questions the way we want him to. Sometimes he doesn't answer them at all. So what do we do to get through the silence when you're just not hearing from God? Well, the first thing we have to understand before we get into these three things is that God will never go back on his word. Just because he hasn't answered you doesn't mean he's gone somewhere. Because he said in his word, and he cannot break his word, God I guess God could lie if he wanted to, maybe, but I doubt it. And why would he want to? He won't, he won't lie. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going anywhere. He's just like that old cowboy. You ask him a hundred questions, he just sits there and keeps driving. Tired of all your questions, I don't know. But God does never leave. Just because he's silent does not mean that he has left us. Okay? Three things to get you through the silence. The first one, y'all love. And I know that everybody's good at it, and you're going to be like, why did you even say this to us? But the first way that we can get through God's silence is to be patient. And I know all of you are fantastic at that. All of us, right? Have you ever wondered, you know, I'm 23 years old and people have been telling me to be patient my whole life. You think I'd be a little bit better at it now than I am? I'm still not. I think that's one of the things we continue to learn. But we need to be patient. Have anybody ever helped their kids with math homework? 
Let me tell you how it went with my kids in math. I won't tell you how it ended, how it starts. <laughs> Usually ended up with tears. Let's just say two plus two. Little old kid, Griffin, I don't know, Griffin and Riley were both masters at what I'm about to say. They said, Dad, I need help with this. I was like, well, what's two plus two? Be like, seven? No. Think about it. Nine? I mean, they just start naming numbers. 42, 62, 19. Does it have an X in it? I don't know. You know, they didn't care about learning. They just wanted the answer, right? And they knew that I would get frustrated. I'd be like, it's four. And I know in their minds, like, why didn't you just say that in the first place? You wasted all of our time. So you walk off and like, Dad, I need help with this one. Just let me do it. No, I didn't do that. A lot of times they ask the question. They don't want to learn. They don't want to do the work. They just want the answer. And we're bad about that when we're talking to God. We have to be patient. When you ask God a question, maybe it's in prayer, or you're having a difficult situation in your life, have you studied God's Word and tried to find your own answer? Maybe God's already given the answer in the New Testament, or maybe even in the Old Testament. Have you gone and looked for the answer, or do you just want to sit back and not have to do all that work and just have God give you the answer he's probably not going to? I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying that if he's already said it, and how many times did y'all parents say, I already told you, I already told you, I already answered that. I already answered that. Don't be surprised. The reason you need to be patient is don't be surprised if you need to grow some more before you understand the answer. I mean, it's one thing for a, I don't know what grade you learn two plus two in, but if they're having trouble with two plus two being four, I am not going to ask them to explain the Pythagorean theorem, right? They're just, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the maturity. They don't have the experience to be able to answer that. And a lot of times the questions that we ask God have the same ramifications. He's not saying anything because you need to grow. You need to mature. You need to go study the word before the answer is given, if at all. And if you're going to guess, then try guessing what your real motivation for the question is. Think about that. Well, you know, just, just like Ty said, you know, what is the end? I've got a question. Nobody's here to answer it. What is the end goal of this situation? What is the end goal? Because you know what? God is often silent on like job questions. Well, should I? I've got this other job offer. Should I take it or not? And then every Christian in the planet is going to say, well, pray about it. Well, what if you do pray about it and nothing happens? Right? See, that's what, I, and I don't, I think that we should pray about it. Okay? I think we should. But the problem with praying about it, what happens if you don't get an answer? Subconsciously, I think that we think we must be doing something wrong because we didn't get an answer. You might not get an answer because you're doing everything right, okay? But a lot of times, job, I mean, if my son came up to me, he's like, Dad, you know what? I don't want to make pizzas anymore. I'd rather go into construction. Should I do that or not? Like, I, don't, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do, you know? I mean, if that's what you want to do, do it. It's not, <laughs> okay, this is so difficult. I hate English, so I'm going to say it in Spanish. Listen, God, God doesn't care. He cares, he just doesn't care, okay? You know, it's like if Ty called me, he's like, hey, should I go check these cattle on horseback or in the gator? I don't care. Do whatever's best for you in the moment. If you want to ride, go ride. If you want to take the gator, take the gator. I don't care. And I think that that's a lot of the questions that we have for God. When you don't get an answer, maybe it's because he doesn't, you just choose. If you would rather go do construction, go do construction. If you don't like it, you can always go back to pizzas, right? So, and I don't mean that God doesn't care, but just sometimes he's not going to answer you because he doesn't care. 
I mean, when my kid is little, I am not going to base my love upon him by knowing in my heart that I want him to be a doctor. I'm not going to tell him I want him to be a doctor. I am going to offer subtle hints that he doesn't understand. I'm not going to answer questions, but if he doesn't become a doctor, I'm not going to love him anymore. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. We need to be patient. Sometimes he doesn't answer because sometimes he's quiet to see if you choose him or the way of the world. He wants to see what kind of decision that you'll make, which leads us to the second thing to get us through God's silence. Sometimes we just got to make a decision. Sometimes we just got to make a decision. Here's a situation, you know, as, as Ty was saying, you know, if it's, a, if it's a foot rot, maybe we can wait till tomorrow to get some more help so it'll be easier on the cow. But if maybe if it's a pneumonia, you know, maybe it can wait till tomorrow for the same thing so we don't run it around half the country trying to rope it by ourselves and wrap it up and all that. But if it's a bloat, you got to do something right now. There are going to be times <laughs> that you're not going to be able to pray about it and wait for an answer. You've got to make a decision right then. How do we make a godly decision, though? How do we make a godly decision? So here is four questions. I said three. There's four questions to ask yourself about how to make a godly decision. Okay? Here's the first one. When you're tasked with making a decision that you have not received an answer from God for, you need to ask yourself, what does the Bible say about this subject? is either one of these decisions that I have to make, is it, does it contradict God's word? And let me tell you all this right now, that we live in an age where there is zero excuse for finding out what the Bible says about anything. You can go to Google and type in, what does the Bible say about whatever you want to put in, and it will show you all of the verses that have to do with that. Okay, But maybe you're like, well, you know, I don't... I don't like to use the internet. Man, get you a study Bible. In the back, there's this index of all these subjects. Go find out what the Bible says. A lot of times, though, people don't want to go study. They just want the answer. Don't be lazy. Find out what the Bible has to say. If you've got to make a decision, think to yourself, is either one of these decisions going to contradict Scripture? Because Scripture never contradicts itself. Okay? The second question you have to ask yourself when making a godly decision is... How long have I been praying about this? Now, obviously, that doesn't work in a bloat situation. You've got to handle that in the next, like Ty said, 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, you've got to handle that right then, so you're not going to have time to pray about that. But if it's not a serious situation where you do have time to pray about it, how long have you been praying about it? If you can't remember to pray about it three times a day for, 40, for four days or 40 days or 40 years... You don't want an answer. You want to be absolved from the responsibility of the answer. Because if God tells you to do something, then it's not your fault, right? I had a guy tell me one time, he, he was having some financial problems, and he called and talked to me about it. I was like, man, I, you know, I, I don't know, man, that's tough. That's tough. Got a bunch of kids and blah, blah, blah. And then I heard back from him about a week later. He goes, man, I've been praying about it, and God answered my question. I was like, really? What happened? He said, I was driving by a car lot, and I saw this $100,000 doodly, and God told me to go buy it so I could haul hay. Actually, it wasn't 100000 it was probably like 80000 or something. So he's broke, so he goes and buys an $80,000 doodly and a $20,000 flatbed trailer so that he can haul some hay. Eight months later, he had to turn both of them back, and he goes, you know what, that might not have been from God. <laughs> you think? Come on, come on. How long have you been praying about it? 
Because he'd been praying about it since he got in his truck. God, give me a sign. Oh, there's a dually. Go buy it. That's a sign. Doesn't work like that, guys. Doesn't work like that. But you know what does work? I had a lady at, at the previous church that I pastored in, in Fort Stockton, Texas. She had, she had told me before this happened that she had been praying for 40 years that her husband be saved every day for 40 years. And I was there the day he got saved. Never gave up. Me, I can't remember my prayers like two days from now, right? So are they really that important? That lady knew what was important. She knew what to pray about, didn't she? Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Okay, the third question is this. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me say this, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's that good. I take no credit for what I'm about to say. It came from God through a man named Andy Stanley, who I just, I, I love his preaching, like him a lot. But he said that anytime you are faced with a decision to make, you need to ask yourself three questions. Well, that's actually one question in three different forms. Okay, It takes all the emotion, it takes the desire, it just kind of gets to the root of it. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself. What is the wise thing to do? And a lot of times when people come to me, they, they don't like it whenever I ask them that because they want an answer. And I just look at them and say, what do you think the wise thing to do is? Well, they don't want to hear the wise thing to do. They want the answer they want, right? But ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? Now, you have to ask that in three different ways. What is the wise thing to do based upon my past experiences? Aren't we like a revolving door? We tend to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and over. Have you been through this before and you've done it this, this certain way every single time and it's never worked? It might be a good time to just maybe stop doing that, okay? Is this wise based upon my past experiences, okay? Then you ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do based upon my current situation? I mean, if you're broke, don't go buy a $80,000 truck, okay? I know it seems obvious, but just try to refrain from that, okay? You don't get unbroke by spending more money. I, don't, I guess you could, but not generally. You know what I mean. What is the wise thing to do based upon my past experience? What is the wise thing to do based upon my current situation? And what is the wise thing to do based upon my future hopes and dreams and who God wants me to be? Is this decision going to take me towards God or away from it? Okay. What is the wise thing to do? And I know a lot of, especially with jobs, and th this has actually been said. I have no idea who said it. It's been a long time ago. But uh, this person was asking me, they said, well, I, I really want to take this job, but it's going to take me, you know, it's, I'm going to be away from home a lot, be away from my wife, be away from my kids, but I'm going to make more money. I was like, is the money worth being away from your wife and kids? He goes, well, yeah. And I was like, why? He goes, because if I make more money, then I can tithe. And I said, no, you won't. No, you won't. If you, if you won't tithe now, more money's not going to make you tithe. You're just going to buy more stuff. Okay? What is the wise thing to do based upon our future hopes and dreams and who God wants us to be? Next time you're faced with a decision, I implore you, try it. See what happens. Ask yourself those questions. What is the wise thing to do based upon my past experiences, my current situation, my future hopes and dreams, and who God wants me to be? And finally... When you're tasked with a decision that God has not answered you on, ask yourself this. Will this truly bring me closer to God, my family, and allow me to love and serve others? Or is this just for me? Now, I'm not saying that you can't choose the last one, okay? I'm not saying you can't choose the last one. Because I like to stop at uh, Cold Stone. That is not loving anybody else. That is not serving nobody else. I want me some vanilla ice cream. Okay? So there's nothing wrong with it. 
But seriously, ask yourself, what is the motivation behind this decision-making process? Three things to get you through the, God's silence. Number one, we've got to be patient. Even if it's 40 years, we've got to be patient. Sometimes we just got to make a decision, okay? Just got to make a decision. And that leads us to the third thing. To do during God's silence is you've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. If He's not answering you, dummy, for a reason He's not answering you, dummy, okay? Seriously. God knows what He's doing. If you do make a decision, and you have kind of prayed about it, you studied about it, you know, you've had time to do all this stuff. If you do have to make a decision, trust God that, that that's the decision that He wants you to make. Okay? Let me tell you this. Never in the history of this world or the next are you going to do something and God look down and go, oh my gosh, He just messed everything up. What are you doing? It's never going to happen. Sometimes the answer comes whether we want it or not. It's hot. It was hot sitting out in the middle of a pasture, just right across the road, right here at the foundation, right across the road. And I've got a yearling roped in the sun. I'm whistling for Robert, hollering for Robert. And I started kind of getting worried about Robert a little bit because his dog showed up, but he didn't. So I'm like, hmm. I figured they just had better hearing than he did. But as I was sitting there pondering, and I will admit, I asked the dogs where Robert was. They did not answer me. I asked them like two or three times. It's like, where is he, Lassie? (laughs) Yes, he fell in the well. That's what it was. That's where Robert was. So as I'm talking to the dogs and pondering this, my steer got up and got out of the rope. Like, oh, this worked. But the good news was, he jumped back over the fence. So I rode off to find Robert. I found him. I trotted up to him. He said, I ain't found him either. I said, oh, I I found him. (laughs) He goes, okay. He said, did you get him back in? I said, I got good news and bad news. I said, the good news is he's in the right pasture. He goes, what's the bad news? I said, well, I had him roped, but I wasn't paying attention. And he got up and jumped back over the fence. He goes, I don't hear any good news. He's in the right pasture. We get to rope him again. Let's go. 